Welcome to Vintage Burn. This is Kev. Marco. And Dugala. And tonight we're doing an opinionated pit segment. We're talking 1982 rock and metal albums. So without further ado, Marco, the moment you've been waiting oh, for for first? an hour. <laughs> you want me to go first? Yeah, yes. my, my first one, uh, we'll call it number 10, even though in no particular order. But it is my least favorite out of the three. I'm going uh, with Tank. Filth Hounds to Hades. And uh, album's pretty cool. It, it has like a motorhead sound to it. And then it makes sense because it was produced by Fast Eddie Clark, original member of Motorhead. So it makes sense on the sound. Uh, standout tracks to me, A Shell Shock, Struck by Lightning, Turn Your Head Around, and the self-titled track. It's got a couple duds on there. It's got like some song about stormtroopers or something like that. Don't love stormtroopers or what's it called? I got it right here. He fell in love with this. He fell in love with the stormtrooper. I wonder if Rob Halford wrote that song. <laughs> uh, but yeah, man, good record, Doug. I I do thoroughly enjoy Shell Shock, but like I told you earlier, Marco, I I can do it without like the minute intro, the ooga chaka, ooga chaka for like an hour and a half. Yeah, that. That was my one qualm with the record. Why couldn't they just make it an intro track so you can just skip to like the actual song Shell Shock? Yeah, other than that, the song is great. I do like the album. Like you said, I, there are a few kind of duds, but um, I think overall for 1982, I think it's a, a pretty damn good album. Oh, it's strong, man. Rated highly. Um, I love it, man. I, I'm going to delve a little more into Tank. I know this is supposed to be their best album or whatnot. But uh, I, I definitely want to dive more into the discography after the last couple, you know, three or four days listening to it a couple times. I think Blood, Guts, and Beer is an excellent song, too. Uh, or song title. It's a good song, but I like the song title. What else more you need? Yes. Yeah, no, it's, it is a good song. That's one I didn't write down. I, I forgot to write that one down. I think, you know, when I listen to so much music today and I wrote a lot of notes, that was one of the last albums I did, so I probably started getting a little uh, tired. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot when you when we when you do one year at a whack. Even though it's only one year, and you know the forty fifty years of like heavy rock slash metal, it's even a year in itself is a lot to take in. Um, because there's there's so much going on. There's some you heard of, some you haven't heard of, some you don't know, some you might like. It's a lot. There's a lot to take in. Yeah, well, my my strategy towards this whole thing is like, you know. Uh, Pick, like, ten that I don't really know and go for it. And I try to, like, you know, go with albums that I've heard are good in the past. And then if I have enough time, like, well, last the last year we did, I had a lot of time. I was in my car and I just constantly was listening to records. And so I listened to, like, 50. This time I didn't listen to as many, but still, I kind of knew, like, the ones I wanted anyway. Like, two of the three anyway. So that's that. Kevin. What's we lose up? Kevin again? No, oh, I'm here. Okay. <laughs> you know, I had my cell phone mute so that I didn't move around. Or I'm I'm using my I'm using my AirPods, and I just I want to make sure that you guys don't hear any crackling or anything. So, um, for my pick, I'm going to go with uh, Scorpions Blackout. It's their eighth studio album. Um, I mean, it's pretty famous. So I, there's not much more to say um, other than it's just an amazing record. I think it was one of their real breakthrough albums to the mainstream world, the the arena rock world. I could be wrong, but I, I think this was really, you know, starting to, to just get them much larger um, around the world. And awesome album cover. 
It's got the dude with the um, I don't even know what those are some some type of sex torture uh, sunglasses with the uh, with the headband. I'm assuming it's a oh. dude in a sane asylum. I, you know, it's, it's it looks like James Hetfield from an insa- inside of an insane asylum or something. Uh, I always thought those were forks, <laughs> like curved forks on his eyes. Like I'm like, there's some yeah. symbolism there, but I don't know what it is. It's very pre-Ramstein. Yeah. Yeah, and Kevin, you are right. I think this is the album that really got him popping, like in the mainstream with No One Like You. That song was yeah. huge. No, no. You know, I remember three songs seeing the videos when I was a kid. Was was that one when I was a kid? Was that one was uh, Rocky Like a Hurricane and Big City Nights? Yeah, and, and, and I mean, uh, for me on this record, obviously, the I mean, the self title song Blackout is just, we got a minute blackout. It's a fucking great song. Mm-hmm. Great riff and everything. But you're right. You know, it's. Um, no one like you one of the slower kind of ballads which was breaking them into that whole arena rock vibe so i isn't after blackout um i forget the name of the album but rocky like a hurricane it's is it on the yeah love love at first thing yeah love at first thing yeah Yeah, that that was their like total breakthrough album because rocky like a hurricane was the biggest thing on the face of the fucking planet and i i gotta say i mean this is outside of 82 but with that album love at first thing man um still loving you is just a killer ballad yeah, I agree. I, uh, you know, I, I think I actually own this one on vinyl. So one Scorpions I own on vinyl. And I don't know where it came from, but I'm glad. I'm glad I have that one. Great album cover, man. I, did, I, I every time I look at it, I mean, I just I, I love it. Love the shattering glass and the dude and whoever painted this. It is. It's a, it's a great, great painting. So you said it was good. It's their eighth studio album. Imagine having eighth eight studio <laughs> albums in 1982. Yeah, because they formed in what, like 1965. Like they've been doing it for a long fucking time, and yeah, they're like, old, man. They're they're like as old as Sabbath, honestly. Uh, their their first record came out, so their first official one, um, uh, Lonesome Crow, came out. I want to say in in 71. I mean, I can just look it up, but it's um it's very Sabbath sounding. It, it's such a killer record. And I know, Doug. I always bring this up. When we're talking about Sabbath and stuff, I'm always like, oh, you got to check out the first Scorpions record because it's just, it's such a killer, diverse sounding Sabbath album, man. It's like. I have been, um, I have been kind of diving a little bit deeper into the Scorpions discography just because, because you guys and another, uh, another friend's been really hyping them up too. And I'm like, you know what? I, I like what I hear whenever you play, you guys play something or whenever we're somewhere and we hear it. But I'm like, I need to just kind of like go on a journey, and that's like, uh, that's been the top of my list lately. Yeah. Interesting, interesting little fact on this album: Don Dawkins did backing vocals. Oh, didn't know that. Yeah, which is pretty cool. And uh, another thing is, uh, hey, if you can't get enough with uh, enough of them, they're putting out a new record. So, (laughs) the Scorpions. uh, Yeah, Mickey D's in the band. You know, from King Diamond slash Motorhead. Yeah, uh, oh, no. he's he's now he's now their drummer, and he's the young guy. Believe it or not, <laughs> he's uh, Jesus Christ, the young old dude. So, uh, <laughs> my my friend was telling me that Uli that he got U- Uli. Am I saying that right? Uh, yeah, Uli John Roth. Uli, Uli John Roth. Yeah. Um, like he was saying, he's like, uh, I I I just got his newest solo record. He's like, it's without, I don't know, without direction. He's just like kind of old man rock. He's like, it's all of the bad Kansas without the good just kind of thrown out there German style. And that's like the, the solo Uli Uli. Yeah. He's, and he's been out of, you, you, has been out of the band for a long time. 
a long time, right? Plus like it's like the seventies. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that he's been... that long, huh? I, yeah, I think yeah. I thought it was like eighties or like even early nineties, no, but that long. Yeah, he he's no. been out since the late seventies. He was their like virtuoso, like off the rails guitar player, and he was just like, eh, I'm kind of bored with this shit. I'm gonna go do jazz fusion, wild stuff. I mean, the guy's an incredible player. You know, um, uh, Alex Skolnick. It's like one of his biggest uh, idols is is Yuli John Roth. And that's why they do that that cover of Sales of Karen because of of Yuli. That was that was a Scorpion song written on guitar by Yuli. So that was his stuff before they got into more of the arena rock style. They were like really just fucking weird jazzy scale stuff. Was was all Yuli or in the in the seventies. Um, Dude, late and, he, 70s. and he makes it look so easy too. He's just like yeah. in that video, like the very psychedelic Sabbath looking video. He's just kind of yeah. like it, it. You don't realize it's him playing it because he plays it just so nonchalant, like it's no big deal for him. I'm like, fuck, dude. You know what? Give give um, everything up to uh, their late 70s a chance first, in my opinion. I mean, the 80s stuff is great, but you kind of already know it just by hearing it constantly, whether it was on TV or, you know what I mean? So start with the old shit, um, the Yuli years and, and then work your way up is I appreciated it more. I was like, eh, I don't know, eighties scorpions. Ugh. But, but I, I love, I mean, I love both decades. All right. Yeah. I'm gonna have to start from the, like the, the very beginning and just work my way up. Just kind of, cause like you said, if not, you know, it, it's one of those bands, you know, you, Oh, I know the Scorpions, but you know, no, you know the popular hits, you know, you yeah. know, and maybe some B-sides, you don't know, like, the roots or the progression and those early, like, early albums that, like, mattered, you know, before they had the one-hit wonder type albums and, like, the later, yeah. uh, more poppy shit. All right, Dougie Doo, what's yours? All right, so my number three, and once again, in no particular order, um, I decided, uh, Witchfinder General, Death Penalty, uh, so... I didn't realize that, obviously, it's um, the namesake of the 1968 film, uh, Witchfinder General. And I didn't realize they were only around from 1979 to 1984, and then for like two years in the 2000s, from 06 to 08. But, um, Such a great uh, album cover. Dude, yeah. So <laughs> I was just about to bring that up. What do you think of the album cover? <laughs> so receive some criticism for the cover boobs. with boobies on it. Yeah, boobs. And, and I the, love how uh-huh. Kevin, look at the the back cover too. They're, Find the back cover because there's more boobies on nice. it. <laughs> so I'm not sure who model Joanne Lafame is, but good for her. <laughs> but thank you, Joanne. Thank you. Um. So, uh, a couple of mentionable ones. I adore wholeheartedly "Free Country." I don't know if you actually listened to it. I sent it to both of you today because I. I was familiar with this one and like Witchfinder General, the title track, and like an Invisible Hate, and I, I finally got a chance to listen to like the full album, and it's good. It's it it has Aussie vibes and has like Angel Witch vibes, but like it's one of those albums you either love his voice like Aussie or you know you could do without it, you know. But they were um, a huge influence on later Doom, you know, like Sleep Down. and. Earth, yeah, Down, um, Caius, uh, Queens of the Stone Age. They kind of, they were, you know, that that sound, you know, Sabbath kind of started, and they kind of took it and kind of went a, a different way with it. And you hear just a lot of those very um, quintessential doomy type riffs, even though it's a little more upbeat and a little bit 
a little faster than some Doom, but dude, I, overall, I, I thoroughly enjoy this album, and not just for the cover. So I did listen no, is to the... it today, and go ahead, Kevin. I was just going to say with the cover before we, we jump away from the breasts. Uh, is, is this supposed to be a representation of the 1692 witch trial? Is like, are they sticking with a the theme here? Do you, I mean, do you know or so? So um, the witch, yeah, the witch final general, uh, I guess, was he was an actual dude. It was I think his name was like Andrew Hopkins and like the, uh, but he was in England though I believe. You know, so this I don't it really has anything to do with. Um, it was like the witch hunt in England, not necessarily in the okay. states, but but around the same sense. time. And there was a guy. So the movie itself, it's about this um, this soldier um, from whatever war. Uh, he he's basically trying to find and kill the witch final gener- witch finder general because he's going around just basically harassing and raping and killing everyone as he see fits because he thinks he's holy and he thinks he's all all high and mighty. So that's kind of like that's who the witch final general witch final fucking a witch finder general is. And I, I'm not you sure. Want to you can't even say it. No, it's kind of one of those. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'm. I don't know what they're going for on the album. It kind of looks that way. Like maybe that's the soldier. That's the witchfinder general, and there's boobies. So yeah. Either so way, I feel like this. I feel like this album was recorded in two sessions. I really do. Like the first song, it, I didn't like the first song at all. Like I was like, what the fuck am I listening to? You know, like, I didn't even really like the riffs. I didn't like his voice. And then the second song there, Free Country, came on. I thought that was okay. Death Penalty, I really liked. Uh, no Stayer, I, I thought was okay. And then all of a sudden, it sounds like they got their shit together for the last three songs. And I absolutely adored the last three. Witchfinder General, the song, Burning a Sinner, and R.I.P. I just thought, like, some of the transitions early on were sloppy. They sounded better later. So it makes me think that they recorded them. In two it, different sessions completely. Like two different studios or something. It, it doesn't sound the same to me. It, it I might, don't like the vocals. I don't the, like them. The, the, I, at first I didn't like them, especially in Witch Final General, the song. Like it's kind of the kind of like great on you a little bit. But then it's like, all right, that's actually got a good rhythm. And like I, I, I love the guitars and the music, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's what I wrote here. Uh, music really fucking good. Except for the first couple songs, I just like I said, they just feel like no. they're recorded in different spots. I love free, free country. I I just love like the subject matter. It's just all about doing fucking drugs, just shrooms, LSD, well, just going on a trip. And then I love like the riff and the chorus in that one. Yeah, I did not like Invisible Hate though. The opening, I, Free Country was okay. Like I said that already. No Stayer and Free. And, uh, I'm sorry, No Stayer and Invisible Hate were like the two. I don't think I really liked that much, but I liked every other song. But I really loved the last three, and I thought his vocals got better at the end too. By the way. I, you know, I, I, when I look up an album, I try to kind of figure out if there's something weird like that that happened. I, I don't know if it was like maybe two EPs that they kind of like decided to slap together and put out an album, like, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe it was just over a two year span and they got a little more cake together, or, you know, they were men back then. So, they didn't have Kickstarters like they do now, you know? So basically, to end my little rant on the album, I enjoyed it very much, except for two songs. And I have a feeling, though, if I listen to this album a few more times, those songs can grow on me. So I, I feel like this is a fucking pretty good album. I liked it. So, Marco, next pick? My next pick, I'm going with the guys I always talk shit about. But this one album I actually love a lot. It has a lot of really good songs. It's Anvil, Metal on Metal. 
Nice. Uh, title track, phenomenal. Mothra, aside from the annoying con- chorus, phenomenal. The, the chorus, though, kills me. I can't stand the chorus in it. Mm. March of the Crabs, great instrumental. But my favorite song is Jackhammer. And uh, the song is very derogatory towards... I mean, all their songs are very derogatory towards women. Very misogynistic <laughs> album. But goddamn, the riffs are fucking heavy, and they're good. <laughs> Come on, uh, dude. They, some of their fucking lyrics are unreal, dude. Uh, go ahead, Doug. No, you, you're right. And even the last one, I, I think I had mentioned there was like, I think they have one called like Young Girl or a Hot Teen or something. I, I know it was 1982 last time, and it was like every every album seemed to have something in that um, configuration. But yeah, they... They definitely have that, and, and it's funny too. You look, you you hear and listen to the lyrics and read the lyrics, and you think it's gonna be these like sexy young Axl Rose looking dudes or like Brett Michaels. It's like, and then you look at lips, and you're like, oh, this is coming out of him. Yeah, excuse me. <laughs> they have a song called Tag Team. Tag Team. What if you it's? Know what that's, it's not about wrestling. <laughs> I was gonna say, I you know it's not about wrestling, Marco. And <laughs> then I already mentioned it, but Jackhammer. It's not about jackhammering, like officially, like a real job. Yeah, not about construction. It's uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's that's a good way to put it. Maybe lips can like bang, and we just don't know. And we're like, maybe he just he missed his like uh, career in porn, and this is what he has to settle with. You know, like tease me, please. Why not? I'm not sure yeah, he had not, the man. looks to do porn. I'm not sure they wanted him on film. Yeah, but maybe he's got all. Maybe he's got a rod and a half, you know. You don't see many dudes' uh, faces in porn anyway. He's just like a like a, a a stunt dong, you know. Come on, look at look at Rod Jeremy, dude. He still mm. does porn. Looks what he looks like, you know. But uh, the one thing I did love about this record, though, is the production. I thought was really good for 1982. It actually had a metal sound as opposed to their first album, which I like too. Hard and Heavy is a good album, but it sounds more like a rock album. This sounded like a fucking metal album, and I think like. This really, you could see how many people they influence. Even March of the Crabs has like a somewhat thrashy, like, you know, almost futuristic sound at that point. You know, you could see where things are going. And I I could see why people were very influenced with early Anvil. I'm not going to say all Anvil, but early Anvil. And I do enjoy the album cover, too. Like, they... That's great. For for a band that, like, kind of didn't seem to have a lot of money, um, they always had, like, interesting album covers you know it's not just like them you know sitting in front of a a statue you know what i mean it's like they actually had like that's not a like a drawing it's like or maybe it's a i don't know what whatever they have for their album covers are always pretty interesting they're kind of like abstract but not it's always something with an anvil but uh one final note on the album it was produced by chris sangaritas i think is how you say his name who's worked with people like black sabbath uh Trying to just pick out some good ones. Bruce Dickinson on a solo shit. Yngwie Malmsteen, Loudness, Exodus. I can go on an overkill. I can go on and on. And that's why I think the production was so good on this album. For its time, especially. Yeah, I think that's a great pick. I, I do enjoy uh, a little metal on metal. All right, all Kevin. right. I'm, uh, I wasn't sure if I'm allowed to do this, but fuck it. I'm going to do it anyway. My number two pick, in no particular order, I probably would have picked this as my number one, though, is going to be another 8th Studio album from the English heavy metal band Judas Proist. 
1982's Screaming for Vengeance. I mean, come on. Really? Why wouldn't you love this record? Um, it, yeah. it showcased a little bit of everything that they're able to do, in my opinion. Uh, it's got some good slow tracks on it, like Take These Chains Off. Um, and then it, you've got the typical songs that we all know. You've got Electric Eye. We've got you got another thing coming. Screaming for Vengeance is just an awesome metal track. I personally I do like Riding Fever. On the wind. It's a slower, poppy tune. Yeah, yeah. Riding on the wind is awesome. Um, Bloodstone, mm-hmm. another kind of like a little bit of pop influence in it, but it's just a killer metal track. Oh, excellent. So I mean, dude, front to back, I. I like the entire record. And some of the songs that I've even, when I was younger, I was like, eh, I don't know if I like these. But I've, I've definitely appreciated them as I got older. Um, and then, of course, you know, Rob singing about his imprisonment of life, uh, Prisoner of Your Eyes, which is actually a pretty damn good song, too. But Is that on this? Oh, is Prisoner of Your Eyes on this album? Uh, there's a 2001 release that has it as a bonus track. Yeah. Oh, okay. I don't know why. They um, on 1992 session, I could not, I mean, on 1982 session, but, um, I don't, I, this probably would be an old, it's probably an, uh, later track that they went back and added to, uh, screaming for vengeance. Yeah. I, I have no clue why, but looking at it, I can it, tell it's, you right now, they, why would they they added that? it in 2001 Dude. as a bonus track, like you said. What the and, fuck? And uh, Devil's yes. Child's the, the last song. Okay, yeah, on the one live release. track, one one live track, and then they have uh, Prisoner of Your Eyes added. But it looks like that was recorded up for 1985's Turbo Sessions. So, why right. the record companies make these decisions? Dude, nobody knows. They, they did the same thing with Painkiller. They had like. You know, the whole album, and they added, like, Living Bad Dreams live, and then um, another one live. You know what I mean? And yeah. it, it, it really didn't help the album in, you know, any yeah. shape, way, shape, or form. So I don't know. You, know. you know what it is? They put those out for completists who need everything. So there's, like, Judas Freeze fans out there who have every version ever released of every album. And yeah. they're like, oh, we got to get this because it has this fucking live track. It's different, you know? Kind yeah. of the same way with vinyl to an extent, certain bands. But yeah, one cool going thing, back to this what, record, though. What, huh? One cool thing, man, is Doug Johnson did the cover art. I've always been a big fan of these covers. So between this, Defenders of the Faith, and Turbo, um, I've just enjoyed the artwork. He's done some great stuff. Again, Doug Johnson, for anybody that wants to check him out. I think he's got a website. And uh, he's done stuff for professional sports, other artists. Um, pretty prominent in the 80s with his stuff, so... I think I just found my porn name, Doug Johnson. <laughs> so I think <laughs> I think with this album, though, I think coming off a point of entry, which sounded like it was like just a pretty commercial record through and through, you know, like they were trying to get hits off of it. And I think this one has a share of that, but it also brought back a little bit of that, like speed and just fucking heaviness. And, and Alfred, I think, was on point. I think this might be one of his better performances ever on an album. Uh, I would say it's in my top three or four Priest albums. I'd really have to think about it, but it's got to be in that range. You know, Painkiller, Defenders, Stained Class, Sad Wings, Screaming for Vengeance. Those five are pretty much 
I love Sid after Sid. I don't know. It's hard to say, but those five, I think, are pretty much my favorites. And Screaming for Vengeance, on depending on the, any day of the week, could be number two to number five. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, I love this record, man. It's it's really the second Priest record I, I owned because of the cover, Kevin. Um, Painkiller was the first. Uh, this was probably the second, if I remember correctly. First one I bought on vinyl, though. I I think the Hellion right into Electric Eyes like one of the greatest segues. Besides an album I'm going to talk about later, but that yeah. just that intro right into Electric Eye just gets you fucking pumped. And then, dude, this album. You know what really got me into this? I liked it. I enjoyed it. But um, hearing um, Matthew Barlow do Screaming for Vengeance on Tribute to the Gods, Ice Earth Tribute to the Gods, kind of gave me, it kind of got me back into it. And then, you know, I'm like, oh, fuck. I, like, I, when I was younger, like, Take These Chains and Bloodstone would be like, meh, it's not too slow or it's not metal enough, you know? But now, like, I love those songs. I think they actually played Take These Chains when we saw them uh, a few marches too, ago. Yeah. And then I... I can't agree more, uh, Doug. I can't agree more, but go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, and for some reason, whenever um, I sing the chorus to Bloodstone, in my head, I always have to sing it as Blood Stuff. Bit, bit, bit. Mm. And now that I say that, it's going to ruin it for you guys, I hope at least. But anyway, this I want to say definitively that J- Painkiller is number one, and this is my second priest overall, like the most consistent. Like I adore other songs. I adore other albums. But like if I had to choose, like this would... Definitely be number two for me in the Priest catalog. Cool. Awesome. Dougie, I think you're up, right? I think so. So my number two in no specific order, uh, I went with Twisted Sister, Under the Blade. That's a good one. Um, so little fun fact before I get into it. I didn't realize they kind of put this out. It kind of did good. Um, it was very – it did well in, like, the um, UK especially, like, even though they weren't New Wave of British Heavy Metal because they're – where are they from, Arco? New York? Long Island. They're from Long Island. So they did very well in the UK. Um, and they had a little bit of a following. And then they kind of like put out an EP after. <laughs> and they, So they were on um, Secret Records. And until like uh, Stay Hungry came out and they got like, you know, popularity, then Atlantic came out and put out this fucking polished version of it that people just hate. They say like, and now you can actually find it for a long time. You could not find, you know, unless it was a bootleg, you couldn't find the original version, which was just like a little less polished, uh, dingier, dirty, um, a little grittier, which I, I listen yeah, to I'm, both. Go ahead. I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure I have a sealed version of the original copy. Really? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I, I, you know, I, if I could find it, I'd pull it out real quick, but I, I, it's too much work. But I'm pretty sure I have a sealed copy, though, of the original. That's awesome. It's probably worth some bucks if it is, because like like I said, like until they um, dropped the Atlantic one in 1985, like after Stay Hungry came out, it kind of, you know, it was kind of just you know if you had it, you had it, and then it kind of like faded in obscurity. But uh, so we got obviously uh, Destroyer and Under the Blade, which are awesome songs, and then you got like what uh, what you don't know and Run for Your Life. It, it just it's kind of got like some Judas Priest feels and some songs, some Easy. Rocky. Huh? Even has a song called Sin After Sin. Yes, yes. I, You know, at first I'm like, wait a minute, do I have to... I'm like, am I missing something here? Um, but then they almost have like some like punk, punky type elements too. So it's just kind of overall, it's just a good, you know, good album. Yeah, man. I, I really like Tear It Loose a lot too. I think that's such a good song. 
And What You Don't Know sure can't hurt you. The opening track I really like. The only song that I think I don't like really is the Bad Boys of Rock and Roll. It just sounds too, like, almost mainstreamy. Like, yeah, I don't know what, what was going on there. It sounds like a Finn Lizzy song or something. Yeah, 70s. it almost doesn't fit the album. Right. You know? But, dude, I honestly will argue that this album is just as good as Stay Hungry. I would... I love this fucking record, man. It's so good. And, you know, I've listened to it a few times in the past, but this week I think I listened to it like five times. Yeah, it's 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 a banger. Awesome. I mean, I if I had to choose, awesome. I, I would, I, I, I'm just a sucker for Stay Hungry, and that's one of those um, circumstantial, like, when you got into it kind of albums. But this is, like, Destroyer, you know, Under the Blade. They're just very, like... Um, lyrically kind of like deep you know what i mean they kind of like the way in the way d schneider like in the earlier version too his vocals are almost like a little more like oh like heavy mm-hmm. you know versus you know like when you think of just Twisted like sister that? it's very what was that oh. just like yeah <laughs> very gruff very gruff rough but yeah I, I, one thing about them though i'm sick of them being categorized like you guys say with docking all the time is the glam i guess i guess because they they put on makeup but they do it in different ways man and I think they did it just kind of to be shocking. They were just shocking. I think they wrote more, more like New York Dolls influence than, say, Motley Crue influence. You know what I'm saying? Yes, I 100% agree. And, and uh, so, I, you know, they were actual the real glam metal because, like, or glam rock because, you know, 80s people call it glam metal, but like, that was in the 70s. Air metal was in the 80s. I don't know. I always confuse the shit, but I got yelled at once for it. <laughs> for 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 mixing up the two, yeah, that's right. Yeah, you know you what though. Anything on this album or? Uh, no. Kevin. <laughs> no. Good shit. Surprisingly, I listen to it one day. Yeah, I surprisingly, just never really got into it. So th- this was. Sister. I know Doug's a huge Twisted Sister fan, and I've I've listened to records that he's played, but. Um, Man, every time I think of Twisted Sister, I just think of, like, Twisted Sister Christmas or something like that. Oh, well, that's your problem, man. Yeah. Dude, stay... Yeah, you just gotta... St- stay Hungry, the album, and then we'll, we'll, when we get to the, the year, we'll get into it, because I'm sure that'll be one of my... I'm gonna fight for... Actually, no, I can't say that from 1985, but... Anyway, it's... Dude, it's such a dark fucking album. Um, I think you I think you would like it, Kev. If you actually kind of gave it a little bit of time and, and got rid... You know... Obviously, you know, we're not going to take it. Yeah, we're not going to take it, and I want to rock. But, like, all the other fucking songs are just so... They're such bangers, but... We'll get to that when the year comes, but... So, because of this album, this is when D. Schneider had to go in front of the U.S. Senate Committee, um, in front of Tipper Hoare, um, the PMRC about fucking, you know, that whole (laughs) thing. Tipper Gore thought Under the Blade was about sadomasochism, bondage, and rape. It's like, what the fuck... Typical hears what she wants to hear. I think she's into some sick shit. Because Under the Blade was about a fucking band member who went to surgery and just the fear of just just surgery in general and just kind of the whole fucking yeah. process. Wow, she was before, way off. Before, before yeah. I even knew about that story, though, I know all about it. And uh, But he, I, I always thought it was about, like, coke. You know, before I really looked into the lyrics and stuff, I just figured Under the Blade was about sniffing coke. Mmm. Like 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 chopping chopping your breakfast on a mirror. Correct. Yeah. Ah. I always thought before I really listened to it, but I, like I always knew of the album, but I didn't listen to it probably till like five years ago or something. 
probably about the time we went to Heavy Montreal and seen them, I would say. And that's when I, when I really listened to it. Oh, no you shit. Know, I think that's the first time I ever listened to it, you know? Anything else on this album, boys and girls? I think that's all I got. I know Kevin's a big fan, right. but... <laughs> I'm going to go into my final solo pick. Uh, man, I fucking love this record, and today made me love it even more, listening to it, and it was Accept, Restless and Wild. You know, you got Fast as a Shark, which is one of the best precursors to Thrash you could ever have. The year before Thrash officially popped off, got to be the thrashiest song before Thrash ever, like, really popped off. Don't you think? Fast as a Shark? Yeah, man. It's got like, the bass. It's got the... That's what made him want to be a drummer. Yeah, man. I just, I, I listen to that, and I'm like, this is the thrashiest fucking song before Thrash was a thing. It was just so fucking good, man. But if you can think of any others, I'm interested to hear. Um, the song Restless and Wild is obviously a classic. A couple other standouts I really liked were Demon Knight. Prob- and then probably the worst song title on it, but actually a really good song, was Flash Rockin' Man. Whatever that means <laughs> in German. I don't know. And then the, the last song is one of their famous ones. It's a live staple, Princess of the Dawn. And I liked every song on it. I think actually there was one song that I, was, I could have probably lived without on the whole record. But, man, fucking great shit. I love Wolf Hoffman. I think he's... He's a bomb guitar player, writes some really good riffs. Except always has cheesy lyrics, but I love Udo's voice. I love Udo's voice. I don't know. I, I used to not like it, and I think it was because of Balls to the Wall. It's very ACDC. You know? It is, but I think it was because of Balls to the Wall. I just didn't really like that song. And I still don't really even love the song, except for the main I love the main riff in it. But, but dude, I don't know. I love this album. If anybody has anything to say, go on. No, um, it's one of those ones I've always appreciated, but I just never really dove into too much, not going to lie. Dude, I'm telling you, I think you'd really like it. You know, just for the opening of Fast as a Shark and Restless and Wild right in a row. Like, just listen to those two songs, and, you, and then you'll be like, I want to listen to more. I'm telling you, fucking All awesome. Right. I mean, we, we saw, uh, oh, you didn't make it to that show, did you? I think no, it was I like work or something. it was it was Halloween I think or like right around Halloween yeah. it was Halloween weekend or something but dude yeah, I, big, I think big money night it was it was the uh, the new singer they had but they fucking they they killed it though yeah I the got, new singer's no joke too I like their new shit that was the night I got my fucking obituary shirt ripped off me and I was shirtless for half the night and Andrew kept calling me fucking the the creepy sweaty guy from uh, Family Guy <laughs> little creepy sweaty guy. <laughs> And I had to buy a shirt, and all they, all they had was, like, mediums at the time, so I had to squeeze into, like, a medium. Dude, that sucks. Hold on. Are we talking about Greased Up Deaf Guy? Yes. <laughs> all right, cool. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> oh, man. I was trying to figure out the character's name. Greased Up Deaf Guy. Greased Up Deaf Guy. Oh, yeah. 100%. It was well, gross. when Randy Marsh fought all, all the baseball parrots? You ever seen that episode? Some <laughs> no. No, yeah. dude, you gotta watch some of these things. They're great. Oh, South Park, yeah, I'm so far behind on the South Park realm. Yeah, he goes to his son's baseball games and just basically to start fights with other dads. <laughs> and then, like, every time he gets arrested, he's in his underwear, and he's always in cuffs screaming, I thought this was America. I thought this was America. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, check it out. It's fucking hilarious. Uh... Yeah, you know what? I was going to do Led Zeppelin, but I realized that it's not really a record. It's really technically a compilation. Uh, and uh, Jimmy Page is just trying to make money off of Bonzo's death. So 
Um, I was going to go with Coda, and I'm going to switch gears here and go with... I never thought I'd do this, but I'm going to pick a Kiss album. I'm going to go with 1982's Creatures of the Night. Mainly because, uh, thanks to Ice Earth, I really enjoy that track, Creatures of the Night. I think it's an awesome... I mean, I would say it's a metal song, you know, for a band that's kind of pretty much has been solid arena rock. And um, yeah, it's a it's it's a great track. It's also an album that doesn't feature guitar player Ace Freely. He's credited. I'm pretty sure he was on the way out before this. And this was just one of the albums. They just they were done with them completely. Um, and so they got a guitar player named Vinnie Vincent. Uh He's an interesting dude all around as well. If you look up, there's so much like controversy about Vinnie Vincent on the. He disappeared from like the music industry for for decades, and then Eddie Trunk got him out of nowhere to be able to come out and talk and meet with people again and stuff. And uh, I don't know, the guy's pretty fucking weird. But what an amazing guitar player! Uh, he did a couple albums with Kiss, and um, he's just like one of those dudes that nobody really knows. Um, and so, yeah, great record. Um, I, I mean, again, it's Kiss, so people are probably going to know Creatures of the Night. Uh, I love it loud, killer. You know, some good, really good tracks in there, man. All around, a really good record from a band that, I mean, everybody loved Ace, really. You know, and I mean, whether you think he's a great guitar player or not, he was, he's still one of the most influential guitar players in the world for guitar players. So even dudes that could crush him are like, fucking ace freely's a man so it was interesting to see an album do pretty well not having him as an actual member they just gave him credit which is funny like they credited him as the guitar player but it wasn't even him <laughs> that's really yeah fucking I, weird. i'm looking at that now it says vinnie vincent was lead guitar on like five songs and then this dude robin ford on a couple and steve ferris on one but uh yeah no i think it's a good album i, I went through a little kiss uh phase i don't know like a few months back, I would say, and uh, yeah, I was listening to more of their '80s stuff, like Creatures of the Night, Animal Eyes. Yeah, and I really think this is a good kickoff to like a new era of Kiss. It gets away, you know. This is, I think, right after Disco Kiss, right? Or maybe their solo records. I can't remember, but it, it's right about after that. So it was yes. them pushing in a forward direction, and they were they were going a little more. You know, they kind of have the uh, I, I like to call it the Rob Rob Flynn path. They kind of go with what's happening. Yes. You know, and they, they were kind of capitalized on, like, that 80s metal rock sound. But it worked. I think they did a really good job. And I think getting guys like Eric Carr and Vinnie Vincent in the band really helped. And what's the other Eric that was in the band for a little while? Maybe he was a little later. But anyway, you know, Eric Carr, Vinnie Vincent, those guys, I think, helped push them forward a bit. And I think got them really into their 80s flow. I can't complain about this record. I think it's a good record. I like Animalize a little bit better. But hey, man, it, it's, it's cool with me. Doug, Doug's like I got nothing. Animal is the one they like. That was their first one without makeup, right? Or am I making that up? No, no unmasked. No. I think they already didn't have make. Yeah, unmasked was yeah. Oh, uh, all right. Then, we... Yeah, Dynasty tanked. That was their seventy. That was their late. I think it was seventy nine or something. And um, and then they did unmasked, and so they went from like doing disco pop to unmasked, and it, they they were just tanking in popularity. So, um, and then they did, they did this album called The Elder, which 
a lot mm-hmm. of like massive like diehard Kiss fans say to check out because they claim it's just like a really good progressive rock record. I still haven't checked it out, um, but a lot of people swear by it. And then you have the other group that are like, nope, uh-uh, not fucking touching it. So, yeah, it's a real, it's a real like lover to hate it album from what I've gathered. Some people really adore it, and who hates it really fucking hates it. It's a divisive yep. album, I would say. Then they had, they had Killers in 1982, and and then they got fucking into, after tour uh, with Iron Maiden, those ripoff artists. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they have they have Killers listed as 1982, but I don't even know. Oh, it's a compilation record. Never mind. So Creatures of the Night's the only album they have for 82. Okay, yeah. Yeah, compilation. Um, but they have an alternative cover. You can probably just see this in Wikipedia. I'm really glad they decided to go with the original cover. <laughs> uh, just not yeah, a I see good it. looking group of dudes. <laughs> That's pretty bad. Just, just pretty fucking bad. But put hey. The, put the makeup back on. I mean, I would imagine that would be us if we were in the 80s right there. I know. <laughs> I know, but they, you know, they're Kiss. I mean, what, what more do you want? You know, I mean, Gene's kind of a dickhead. He's he's tried to patent the the uh, metal horns, thinking that he originated it, but <laughs> that didn't. I guess it got rejected in court like a million times. He just hasn't given up. I, I think he's patented OJ though, like the term OJ. So if like anyone refers to orange juice as OJ in a commercial, like he has like royalties <sighs> to it. He just Didn't it just Robert it has Loja to do end. Something like that? Who? It's got it's got to end. Robert Loja, didn't he do something like that? Oh, yeah, probably. They they all he, tried He did He did juice commercials back in the day too. Did, did he try to like copyright it or something? Yeah, I thought that was like a Loja thing, but I could be wrong. It could have been I could be confusing it just cuz I remember him doing juice commercials and he was also Frank and Scarface if you don't know who Robert Loja is. And he oh. was uh, the grandfather in Over the Top with okay. Sylvester Stallone. I thought you said Rob Lowe. I was like, yeah, I mean, who doesn't Loja. know Rob Lowe? Come on. <laughs> yeah, dude ages backwards. Like, fuck. It's like Paul Rudd. Well, it's interesting. We went from makeup to no makeup and leopard and zebra tight pants. And it's just a very confusing time for everyone. <laughs> so, yeah, let's uh, let's move on. Doug? All right, so my... Right, my pumped for Doug's pick. My third... And in pretty pretty substantial order, because I would say this this is a close contender for me for 1982. But uh, Venom's effort, 1982 effort, black metal. Uh, dude, this album kind of just speaks for itself in a lot of ways. Um, Amazing. We, we know they put out Welcome to Hell the year before, which I, I thought was more like one of the more raw records up until that time. And then this came out and kind of pushed it a little bit more, you know, very unpolished, very raw. Um, it did well in the underground. It did well, like, in the mainstream for the most part, too, dude. Like, mm-hmm. so, I mean, back, black metal, no need, needs no introduction. Uh, to Hell and Back, Buried Alive, Into Raise the Dead. And that was the other segue. When Buried Alive goes into Raise the Dead, that's, like, right up there with Hellion into mm-hmm. uh, Electric Guy. Teacher's Pet, fucking hilarious. Um, dude, Sacrifice, Countless Bathory, Don't Burn the Witch. It's just, the whole album's a fucking banger. Dude, and Heaven's on Fire is amazing. Yes. Uh, and uh, I'm going to say right now, Buried Alive might be my favorite 
song on this record, listening it to, you know, I've listened to it a million times, but I was really like, really listening to it today. And man, I wish I pulled up some of the lyrics because I can quote lyrics off every song that's just talking about burning people and <laughs> bitches and <laughs> and it's just freaking insane, man. It, it's so good. It's it, you're, you're right. It is raw, but it's still a little. It's better produced than Welcome to Hell. It, it is. It's um, still. It's still. It's raw. It's a little more produced, but like a little not like polished as a lot of the albums of the time. You know, of this era. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna say one thing. You know, growing up. You know, Maiden was always my favorite band, probably from the '80s. And but I, I don't know, man. I think this album might be my favorite album in 1982. You know, I, uh, you picked huh. you picked it. So if 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 you did pick it, I would have definitely picked it. You know, uh, dude, I think it's the best album personally for me. This might be my number one of the year. I, I might have to. Event. I might have to agree with you. And I know Kevin will probably go with our our our, our original, but. Dude, this is a contender, and th- this was tough between the two. They'd, and it's like apples and oranges. They're just two different kind of same year, you know, same genre, but not the same genre. Yeah, Completely but you know what this man. album did? This album, I mean, not for me musically, but this album, just title and imagery alone, created a whole subgenre. Oh, absolutely. Between black metal, thrash metal, and death metal. Like, even Phil Anselmo has a... Um, you know, the, the black metal cover tattooed on his back, you know? It's like, you see him wearing the shirts. You see James Hetfield wearing, well, maybe, I think it was more Welcome to Hell, but, you know, just Venom in general um, influenced so many other genres, you know, even to this day. It's insane. Well, another yeah, another that... band I'm going to segue into then, if you're, we're talking about influences from this age, and I'm, Doug, I'm really shocked that you didn't list this album was Misfits Walk Among Us. Oh, that's going to be in my honorables, too. Look at that. Oh. Wait, that was 1982, wasn't it? Yeah. It was, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't pick it based I, on it. I really can't believe that it wasn't even in your top three. And I mean, just because of its influence, and it may not have been metal, it's still... I mean, no, you know, we got no. rock records we mix into this shit and everything, so... No, th- honestly, that... For 1982, that's probably my number one. I'm not going to lie. I thought it came out in 83 because it didn't pop up on anything, but obviously I'm searching 1982 metal and rock records where it's a little more on the punk side. But, dude, thank you. Thank you for bringing that up, dude. Walk Among Us is fucking godly in in my eyes. So I want to do honorable mentions now. Let's just knock them out before we get back into the uh, number one record. Uh, I just want to actually, I'm not even going metal. I just want to shout out, like, I'm not going to talk about them in any way, but I want to shout out hardcore records in 82 because 82 for hardcore, probably the best year ever. And I'm just going to shout them out. It was going to be Descendants, Milo Goes to College, Misfits Walk Among Us, Dead Kennedy's Plastic Surgery Disaster, Bad Brain Self-Titled with the Capital and the Lightning Bolt, Fear the Record, Discharge, Hear Nothing, Sees Nothing, Say Nothing. Wow. Bad religion, how could hell be any worse? And I can go on and on. There's so many more. I'll do one more. Circle jerks wild in the streets. <laughs> uh, and actually, one more. SSD control, the kids will have their say. <laughs> one of the fucking best hardcore fucking years ever. And I really want to do that show eventually. We will do it. Me and, me and Kevin were talking about it. But, dude, that's my shout-out for this week. I'm not going any metal records. That's my my all my honorable mentions. 1982 hardcore season. Yeah, wow, what a what a fucking crazy year for for hardcore and like the punk scene. 
Oh, I could go on, dude. There's so many more albums. I just don't want to. I could literally list like 50 albums. You don't want to sit here and, you know, that's why I tried to keep it to around 10. But, dude, it's it's nuts, man. Yeah, and I've got, some, uh, I've got some live honorable mentions. So we've got Speak of the Devil from Ozzy and then Black Sabbath Live Evil, which is interesting yeah, because Ozzy's covering Black Sabbath with the Ozzy band and Sabbath is covering Ozzy era Sabbath with Dio. So I can't imagine that this was by accident. I'm sure they were like, you know, one. it's a pissing contest. Um, it's just interesting that they both had an album come out that same year doing the same shit. Um, to see who can do it better. So, yeah, that was also the last time that um, that the live album, the live Evil album for Sabbath, uh, is pretty much what caused them to break up. Ronnie was making his own solo record and stuff, and they were going back and forth on who should be louder in the studio and whatever. It just led to a pissing contest internally, and the second Sabbath lineup uh, parted ways with Mr. Dio. So, um, yeah, I'm trying to think anything else that I can think of from '82. I mean. Uh, other than just what I just said about the Misfits, I mean, I, it's an influential album, man. Um, you know, Doug, I'm pretty sure you were one of the people that got me into the Misfits, so it's a great record, front to back. I, I, I think, can we talk about it for one second? I know we're kind of running low on time here, but yeah, dude, um, just walk. On, I'm trying to pull up. Like, I know the album front to back, but I'm, I'm trying to do like Twenty Eyes, All Hell Breaks Loose. Like, I remember when I first heard those songs. They were on repeat for uh, for days on end, you know? Obviously, Hate Breeders. And then I never understood why they had Mommy Can I Go Out and Kill Tonight as a live version. But, uh, dude, Skulls, Violent World, Devils, Whorehouse, Astro Zombies, Brain Eaters. Like, dude, Vampira, um, Nike A Go-Go. What a fucking banger. Banger of a fucking 1982 album. And I just... I, I don't know. I just... I, I probably... I just adore this album, and I really appreciate you bringing it up because it totally slipped under my radar because I thought it was a little bit later. I thought it was like 83 for some reason. Yeah, it's probably my, think, in thinking about it, like briefly, it's probably my second favorite record from that year. My favorite being Bad Brains, but you know, that's right there with it. I mean, they go hand in hand to me, but love yeah. both records. Man, 82 was a huge year, not just for, for metal and rock, but my word, and the just like the punk, the hardcore, the... You could just see where, and that's why I love doing this, you can see where things were heading, you know? Mm-hmm. Subgenre central. Oh, yeah, absolutely. See, like... It, in 80, by 85, 84, we'll be talking about crossover, like DRI will be coming up and shit, SOD, all that stuff, you know? I, I was thinking about it. The, the later we get, like 1985, 1986, even, even 84, like, dude, there, there were so many albums that came out in, like, that span. Like, we're going to be... We might have that, like, obviously we can't talk about a million albums, but there are going to be a lot of honorable mentions in those, you know, mid-80 years. And Doug, speaking of honorable mentions, you don't have to go into depth, but uh, any albums you want to, that you were that you had written down uh, the, before we get into number one? There's a bunch, but one I wanted to mention was the, the Metal Massacre compilation, which is, you know, um, kind of burned in infamy. Uh, obviously, mm-hmm. Metallica Hit the Lights was on that one. And uh, on the original, it was actually spelled M-E-T-T-A-L-L-I-C-A. So they had the fucking... They had spelled wrong in the first one, which I thought was awesome. But I think... Yeah, so one and, a lot of money. one and two came out the same year. Um, Metal Massacre 1 and 2. And then I didn't realize that Marty Freeman was in Aloha. I always, I know, I always knew there was a band called Aloha on Metal Massacre 2, but I didn't realize Marty Freeman... Uh, 
was in it. I thought that was kind of funny. And then the overkill in, in number two is not our overkill. It's an overkill from LA, which aren't bad. They're a little more kind of punky, but real overkill. Um, you know, West East Coast overkill, like, didn't appear till number five. But, dude, I, I just think those are – there's some good shit on there. I haven't listened to them in years, but I remember uh, liking a few of the, the, the bands and shit, but – and on a, and a, one more quick note, I find it interesting that all the, the I'm going to name three bands that released EPs that are bands that, you know, some of us partially like or like. Sodom released their first EP. Artillery released their first EP in 82. What was the other one? It was, uh, bah, 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 bah. it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Merciful Fate. Yes. Oh, I remember Merciful so, Fate. I didn't, re- I didn't realize Artillery and Sodom, though. Yeah, Sodom was pretty early, dude. I didn't know Artillery was that early. I had no idea. I'm gonna have to do a little dig- digging now. Like, dude, uh, were they? Were they? Have you listened to it? No, no, no. I just have a list of stuff. Like, I found this website that had a, a bunch of re- records on it, and they just happened to be on it. So I was just like, wow, I didn't realize they were that early. I knew like Sodom was like '82, maybe '83. I was thinking, but I didn't realize they released anything in '82. Did not realize. Artillery totally surprised me. Yeah, because that's you know, especially if they were pumping out the shit then that they. Did when they actually had full albums, like dude, that they could be a contender for like fucking mm-hmm. eighty two is pretty early. I mean, that's what kill them all, you you know, and show no mercy. What was eighty three? So that's kind of yeah. that's that's early. You know, I think before kill them all it was fucking early. All right, Kevin, why don't you roll us into the number one album? Doesn't necessarily not your favorite, but probably the most influential album of the year, if not one of the most influential albums of all time. All right. Okay. Well, our number one pick here is going to be Number of the Beast from Iron Maiden. Um, I mean, let's just start with the album cover before we even get into the songs. I The album cover alone is just super iconic, man. Um, beautiful, beautiful artwork. Yeah, yeah absolutely, go- dude. Gorgeously done, I, th- I say. Yeah, they lost something when Riggs uh, left the fold, you know? They lost something. Yep, I agree. I I mean, I I love, well, probably the first seven or eight covers that they had, but for some reason, this one just always, you know, just the whole puppet master stance, Eddie controlling the devil, I mean, it's just fucking awesome. Uh, And even in the singles, you know, some of the singles that he did for Run to the Hills and everything, um, Mm -hmm. just, just awesome. For me personally, uh, I mean, I've got to have a standout song, and and it's it's gonna be "Hallowed Be the Name." Yeah, yeah, no question. You know what I just realized? Um, Tribute to the Gods, the Ice Earth album cover. We've already talked about three songs that came out in 1982 that were on that album. And I, yeah. I, yeah. I forget what else was on that album, but there might even be more. But like out of the albums we talked to, three came out in this year alone, which is kind of crazy. Yep. Yeah, I, I think it's a, a near flawless record, man. You know, the only yeah. thing I would change about the album, if I was like producing them back in the day, I would have them open the album with Number of the Beast. And I would put Invaders somewhere near the end. Oh, that's, I just uh, think that's the, a good point. No, yeah, just with that whole opening, with the whole like, yeah, oh, dude, whatever, you're right. you know, you know, I just think it would have been the perfect intro right into Children of the Damned, you're right. into The Prisoner, which is fucking phenomenal. What The Prisoner might be, ah, it's up there with Hollow Be The Name. I love that song. Yeah. Actually, you know what? I Great take it catchy back. My chorus. First, my first favorite song is uh, 22 Acacia Avenue. 
and it's that riff. And I love it, that song too. I love that riff so much. But I tell you, this has one of the songs in life that I never need to hear again. And can you guess which one that is? Run to the hill. Oh, dude, you uh, just hurt my head doing that. Yeah, me too. Run <laughs> your life. But that's like just one of those songs, like you've got another thing coming or breaking the law or... Uh, Enter Sandman. Uh, Enter yeah, Sandman. It's, pretty... it's just one of those songs I never need to hear again. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. And I think a very underrated track, I love Gangland. I know that's a divisive one, too, but I fucking love that song. But a lot of people are either, they love it or hate it. I love it. I do. I do enjoy Gangland. Not gonna lie. Oh, it's better than mm. To Tame the Land, so... <laughs> Not To Tame... The Quest for Fire. Why, how many times do we have to go through this? I don't know why I quest call it To Tame fire. the Land. That... Maybe, maybe I'm just trying to fucking forget, forget the song altogether. Can it's I'm the gonna... dinosaur song. That's the one you're talking about, right? Yes. Gonna, yeah, quest, gonna... quest for Fire. <laughs> You've gone through this three times now. I'm, I'm going to make that it. my ringtone for whenever you call me, Kevin. <laughs> Just, oh, Kevin's calling. Join my it. Quest for Fire. Like, oh, Kevin's you know what you calling. Gotta do? you got you to make it other ringtones of other people so it rings in front of Kevin. Oh. By the way. <laughs> I like um, it. Doug, what did you you told someone the last time? I forget who I was hanging. This was actually a while ago. I just forgot to mention it to you. But I was hanging out with somebody. Um, was it Caruso? Yeah, it was. Me and Nick went away to Maine, and you, Nick's like, oh hey, you want to put on some Aussie? I'm like, yeah. He's like, you want to send your fraternity and that's Aussie song? <laughs> Fuck you, Doug. I just remember that. Sorry, I owed you that one. <laughs> like I was. Uh, he had me going. I was like, I just looked at him seriously, and I'm like, "Really? That's your favorite song?" He's just, and then he he broke. He should have kept in character. Oh uh, like, no! Doug told me to bust your balls. I was like, "Oh fuck, dude, you had me going." I was like, "I really thought you were an Aussie fan." And I I'm like, "That's your favorite song. That's your favorite song." But <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. I, I love to plant little trolls that like I forget about, and I hear about them like three months later. It works. I mean, I was totally. I was like, "Really? That's what you want to hear?" He was just like, "Yeah." I'm like, "Okay." I'm just hoping like Small you're gonna songs. That's <laughs> that's why you lost your shit in a fucking Italian restaurant because Caruso's favorite song was "Center of Eternity." <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, back to Maiden. No, just one more thing I wanted to say about the album. I mean, it's obvious if you know metal, this is the album that really broke Iron Maiden and made him. As big as they were, man, or as big as they are today. Yeah. I mean, you can argue that maybe behind Metallica, Iron Maiden's got to be the most successful band in metal. In metal, also uh, the last day. record with Clive Burr, who I personally, I, I again, once again, just preference, I found him to be a more desirable drummer. I, I, w- I would have really have liked to see how he pushed himself beyond this album and what he would have done going into the other albums. Not to say Nico's not yeah. a great drummer, but I also think Nico no, is a fucking re- he's a repetitive drummer. So I would have. They're loved just very different. You, yeah. The thing with Nico is, is he follows like Steve Harris. Yeah. Like that's how they play. They they play a little bit different, you know. But like Burr was just a regular rock drummer, man. He just played like a regular drummer. Nico does, like I said, he does like whatever the baseline is, he follows it. Like like where he goes there. And the drumming yeah. fall, you know what I mean? 
And I think that's yeah, it would have. And, and it's funny because they say Clive, we didn't get to see his full potential, and they knew, you know, I mean, obviously he never would have been replaced if he didn't get sick um, with disease and, and and die. But I mean, I think that was Nico was a good second fill in. Two totally different drummers. You hear the influence in the next album. Um, I, I know Nico is like he's into jazz. He was a jazz drummer and all that jazz too. Literally, uh, no pun intended, but. He, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I would have, I would have loved to have heard Clive go beyond this album as they progress to as a band. Yeah, Nico, Nico might be my favorite carnivore. Uh, oh, <laughs> is he, oh, is he a meat eater? Really? That's interesting. Oh yeah, he, he owns a rib joint. How could he not be? That's right. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> it's a good statistic. Yeah, favorite he one. Ma- he makes a mean barbecue sauce too. Yeah. <laughs> That place is cool, Kevin. If you ever get down to Florida, go to the restaurant. It's got some cool memorabilia and stuff, and I guess there's a pretty good chance he's there. Most a lot of people have met him. I, I the few times I've been there, he ha- he has happened not to be there. But I've seen so many Where pictures is it? from cruisers with Nico and Ill. It's in uh, Coral Springs, Florida, near Miami a bit, kind of near Miami. It's near Miami. Okay. Kinda, I remember. Yeah, it's like a half hour ride. Okay. I remember uh, me, Marco, Ken, and Sheila went there before the last cruise, and I remember like we got there. It was early. It was cool. And then by the time we got out of the restaurant, it was like a fucking million degrees. And I remember just dropping trow and fucking putting my shorts on like the middle of the parking lot waiting for the Uber. Yeah. We both <laughs> did the same thing. I did it too, I think. Yeah. Yeah. If I Dude, remember correctly, yeah. It's like, fuck this. It's, it's vacation o'clock. It's a uh, short o'clock. Mm-hmm. But yeah, man. Anything, I think anything else pretty... in this one? Go ahead. No. no anything else in this Not one? Not for me anyway. Yeah, no. I think I think that that rounds it out, and uh, I'm sure you guys want to get off now. <laughs> yeah, so I got to get off to... within five minutes, so it's time to wind yep. it down at least. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for listening. But... Hopefully, hopefully you guys liked our picks from 1982. Um, there's so much more to look at. So honestly, just Google search it. 1982 rock and metal albums. You'll you'll just it's really cool to do what we're doing. Go through the years and just think of these records that had come out um, in some you know. Un- unknown gems that you can you can take a look at so uh thanks for listening uh, hold on if you're Nerd. into hardcore punk as well check out the 1982 hardcore punk because it's it's probably better than the metal of 1982 but go ahead i'm sorry kevin no no that was good yep for all you hardcore fans out there marco is the guy he's our hardcore expert <laughs> so dr hardcore yep all right with that said this is kev Marco, a.k.a. Dr. Hardcore, and Doug. Sign it off. See you in 1983. Oh, snap. Okay. All right, guys. Good night, guys. I think Kevin's masturbating listening to us talk.